It is not an exaggeration at all for me to say that this is the best day ever. Not an exaggeration at all. The day that Jesus rose, best day ever in human history, because that day fundamentally changed everything and changes everything for you and me. It changes the whole reason why you and I live. It changes the way we look at death. It changes what we do in this life. It changes our purpose, our meaning, how we spend our money. It changes how we raise our kids. It changes how we treat one another. It absolutely changes everything. And the words that we're going to uh, relook at today, words we just uh, looked at not too long ago, uh, Paul is going to highlight just how good Easter is for you and for me by showing us just how bad our lives would be if Easter never happened, if Jesus never rose from the dead. Because as he writes to his former congregation in the city of Corinth, he writes apparently to deal also with some apparent skepticism that had gone on about the resurrection. And to be fair, ever since Easter, every generation after has always had their own skepticism, their own doubts uh, concerning the resurrection, because let's face it, it, is, it sounds like a, a, a thing, maybe even stranger than fiction, right? A dead person comes back to life. A dead person three days later comes back to life, just completely reverses the course of decay and rod and rigor mortis and everything else in a body, and just now he's alive and living, and, and it absolutely sounds crazy. And there have been any number of movements over the last several centuries to try to explain away the literal resurrection of Christ to try to maybe say, yeah, maybe it's like a spiritual kind of thing or maybe it's kind of a parable thing, but also at the same time salvage Christianity in doing so. Like, well, just because maybe Jesus didn't actually rise from the dead, it doesn't change Christianity that much, right? I mean, Christianity still, think of all the great teachings that Christianity has, right? You, the way you treat one another, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, uh, you know, putting yourself last and other people ahead of you, taking care of the poor, taking care of the marginalized. A Christianity can still be a force for good in the world, right? You've got this whole Bible still. It doesn't matter that if we don't think that Jesus actually rose, it doesn't change the teaching, right? And what Paul does, dealing with essentially some of the ramifications of this line of thinking, is writes practically an entire chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, to all things resurrection. And then the snippets of this larger conversation that we get to look at today, he shows essentially the implications of what would happen if we believe that. If we explain away the, the resurrection and the reason for gathering this morning, if Easter never really literally happened, if Jesus never literally rose, I'm going to pick things up with where he goes at verse 14. Here's where he starts. He says, And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless. Now, maybe I'm going to be a little selfish here, but this one kind of hits me uh, because this is kind of my job, right? I'm a, I'm a pastor, and pretty much uh, the main thing that I do every week is preach, of course, right? I spend a lot of time uh, gathering a message. My job isn't just to, of course, do this in a formal sense, but essentially everything I get to do is, you might kind of say, preaching, right? Because pastors, our job is to take God's word, and tend to the souls 
with God's word. Tend to you, tend to so many people with, with God's beautiful word, care for you. And if Christ never rose, then I'm wasting my time. Like my entire job is a joke, and I have wasted several years and then several other years of education on top of that. But more than that, uh, I'm wasting your time. Like, I wonder how many of you, how early some of you woke up this morning, and some of you who had to <laughs> shake your kids out of bed, right, wrestle them into some nice clothes because you want to get a nice picture later, and I don't know, maybe you bribed them to come here to sit down in a pew for a little bit, right? You know, the little ones, here's the goldfish and the, and the fruit snacks, right? Just stay calm for a good hour, right? And, and you did all of that. And if Jesus never rose, well, it's a waste. Like, you are absolutely wasting your time. Because there's some of you, maybe a lot of you, who you, you know your family, your friends who are just sleeping in this morning. Uh, they're just treating it like, hey, it's a, it's a holiday on the calendar, right? A national holiday that we don't have to do anything, that we can just take some time off. Maybe we've got some family and friends. Well, you might as well be doing that. Because if Jesus never rose, you're wasting your time. By the way, it's not just this day that you're wasting your time. It's every Sunday that you're wasting your time. Right, there's no point in anything that we do here. And for that matter, we might as well just, just close all the churches, repurpose all the churches. We might as well just do away with all those things. It's like a seventh of your life, if you think about it, that you will never get back, that you are totally wasting your time because no resurrection undoes every, undoes, it, it totally changes everything that we do here at a place like this. But then it gets worse. Paul says, if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. So your faith is only as good as the object that you put your faith in, which is why, as a Detroit Lions fan, I am never having any sort of faith in my NFL team. And people say, oh, come on, look at last year. Look at how they ended. I'm sorry. Look at their track record. They have given me no reason to give them any faith. Now, if that analogy just dismisses you, you're not a big football fan, let me just say it like this, okay? Imagine you had a friend. And you had a friend who you're constantly asking to help you out, and that friend is always saying, I've got your back all the time. Yep, hey, I promise I'll take care of this. I promise I'll handle it. I'll promise I'll come through for you. And they never do. That's useless faith, right? That is pointless faith. That is worthless, futile faith. Putting your, your hope and trust in someone that, that never comes through for you. Well, if Jesus never rose then that's kind of what it's like for you and me. Because Jesus made promises again and again and again, I'm going to die and I'm going to be raised three days later. Destroy this temple and then three days later, I'm going to raise it up. I'm going to die, but I will be raised. And if he didn't, then at best, your faith is in a fraud. At worst, your faith is in a dead person. And that is it. And on top of that, it makes you think of all the life choices, the decisions, the words, the actions that you've made out of faith, the sacrifices that you've made out of faith, the choices that you've made out of faith, the money you've given out of faith, all of that is a waste. It is absolutely meaningless. It's, it's, it's a sad picture, but it actually gets even worse, Paul says. If Christ has not been raised, not only is your faith futile, you are still in your sins. And more than anything that Paul probably says, this 
this kind of gets right to the heart of the whole issue. So our faith is not in some teaching in Christianity, some doctrine. For Christians, our faith is in a person. The one who said, whoever believes in me will not perish but have eternal life. The one who said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. The one who said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Because you see, the whole thing with Christianity is not about how you and I can live really good, how we can be a force for good for this world, but the whole point of Christianity is how you can be right with God and the fact is you can't do it on your own. That's why Christ came. That's why he says, believe in me. I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm the way to God because I am your substitute savior. I'm the one who is going to trade places with you. I'm the one who's going to endure God's wrath for your sins. And I'm going to give you my perfect life instead. But if Jesus just died on Good Friday, and he just stayed dead, and he never rose, then that means the whole plan did not work. That means this plan hatched all the way back in the very first book of the Bible, right after the very first sin of Adam and Eve, where God said, I'm going to intervene because Adam and Eve, not only am I not going to put this on you to make up for your sin, it's impossible, so I will take care of it because I love you so much. That plan has completely failed, and now it's up to you. And may I just say, good luck. <laughs> like, that's kind of what Paul's saying. You're, you're still in your sins. You, you've got absolutely no hope. It is a depressing picture. It is a pointless picture. When you stand before God, good luck making any sort of justification or rationalization for your sin. It's hopeless. And what can you conclude after that? Well, Paul says, then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are, are lost. And maybe this kind of hits a little closer to home for some of you. We talk about Christian funerals, um, people who who die with faith in Christ as their Savior. We we say it's a bittersweet time. Bitter because we miss that person, we miss their their smile, their laughter, their their voice, their presence, everything about them. But it's sweet. Because we know that they're not really dead, they're, they're asleep, right? They're, they're really alive with God. They, they believed in all of those promises, and they're, they're living it up with God, and no more pain, no more sorrow, no more death, no more sin. They're, they have a, a perfect existence now, right? They have life, and that gives us hope. But if Christ never rose, then none of that is true. If Christ never rose, then that means that death was actually victorious over Christ, which means he lost. And if he lost, that means we lost and we are all lost. It's hopeless, which is why Paul says, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. I mean, you think about that, pitied, that's a, that's a perfect word, isn't it? We who come to places like this and tout our faith in, in a God and a Savior who, who died and rose to save us. And if he didn't, then everything that we've done for our entire lives, dedicating it to a God and a Savior, 
it's sad. It's sad that we have just changed so much of a, the course of the trajectory of our lives for this God if he didn't actually come through with anything that he said he did. We might as well, we might as well leave. You might as well throw your Bibles away. And you might as well just live for today because that's as good as it's ever going to get. Which is why Paul so emphatically says in the next verse, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who've fallen asleep. Not just saying, but Christ is raised. No, Christ has indeed been raised, right? This, this historic Christian greeting that we have for, for this day, right? Christ is risen. He's risen indeed right here. Christ has indeed. No, this is like Paul's control Z on everything that he just said. This is his undo of everything that he just said, because guess what? All of what I just said does not apply. Because, make no mistake, the tomb is empty and Christ rose. And what that means is that the preaching is not useless and you are not wasting your time. Like If you wrestled your kids in the car this morning or if you just had to force yourself to only hit snooze a couple times instead of so many more times this morning, right? Like, if you, whatever it was, it's not worthless. And that means your faith is not in vain. Your faith is not futile. It means that everything that you've done for your life, for God, up to this point, has meaning, has purpose. It means you're not in your sins because the empty tomb is the proof that all of your sins are paid for. And it means that you and I have our best life to look forward to after this because those who've already died are not lost. They're with God, and we get to look forward to that. Do you see how much the resurrection changes everything. It is the event that all of Christianity completely hinges on. It is, it is a huge deal. And the reason why we need to celebrate this year after year after year and remind ourselves again and again daily is because it is so easy to live our lives as if we forget about Easter, as if we're living like Jesus still died and, and was still in the tomb and he never rose. It's easy to just get so wrapped up in this world and live for this world without thinking of any of the implications of what the resurrection means for you and I. And so what I want to do in, in our conclusion today is I want to wrap up this sermon with three application points of what the resurrection means for your past, of what it means for your presence, and what it means for your future. First, your past. Some of you are living in your past. And I don't mean varsity blues, high school quarterback, uh, you know, varsity letter guy. That's not what I'm talking about, you know, the, the best cheerleader. I'm, I'm talking about your past sin. Some of you are still haunted by that sin that you committed, you're plagued by that thing that was maybe even done to you, that injustice, that hurt, that wrong, and you were letting that sin own you, you were letting that sin define you, and, and it is still just carrying so much weight in your life. And what Paul wants you to know is that because of the resurrection, you are not a victim of that sin. 
and you are not a victim of what was done for you, to you. Because of the resurrection, Jesus rose, and that was like God's uh, stamp across all human history. Paid in full. Like, Jesus died, he cried out, it is finished, and you know it's finished, and you know that the check has cleared the bank because there is nothing in the grave, there is nothing in the tomb, which means that God took care of all of those sins. As far as the east is from the west, the Bible says, so far has he removed your sins from you. I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. Which means that that sin that you're maybe haunted by or, or letting it just have too much say in your life, well, guess what? You're not a victim. You're a victor. Because Jesus rose, he defeated sin, he's victorious over sin. That means you too are victorious over sin and you are freed from that label. You are freed from that weight, that burden that is on you. You are freed from your sin because Christ did indeed rise. And that frees you to live up a whole new life in the present. And speaking of the present, Easter, the resurrection, has a way of freeing you and I from a temptation that I think especially plagues us in our 21st century American world. Call it materialism, call it experiences, call it FOMO, fear of missing out, right? Whatever it is, but it is so easy for us to just think that we have to just consume and get everything in this world as if this is all we get, as if this is the only life we ever have, right? Uh, we, we see someone else going on a vacation. Well, I, I need to go on that vacation. We see someone else getting a really nice car. I need a really nice car. We see someone getting their dream house. I need my dream house, right? And we have all these plans. And if we don't get them done, we stress ourselves out. And not only that, I've got these kids and I got to have every best experience for my kids. I got to be in this. They got to be in that sport. They got to be in that extracurricular. And I got to give them every single chance. And, and oh, I've got to consume. I've got to just fill up all of my life. And it's like we're trying to squeeze every ounce of happy juice out of this life as if we're going to miss out on something if we're not careful and it just puts so much pressure so much anxiety on us and the resurrection says chill out the resurrection changes our entire perspective on this life Jesus described it to his disciples like this. He, he told them soon, after, or soon before he was about to die, he said, where I'm going, you can't come, but I want you to think about this. Where I'm going, I'm going to my father's house. And my father's house is like a mansion. And I'm going to prepare a place for you, which means you have a room in, in God's mansion with your name written on it. And if you could think of what that would be like, like, I've been in a, a mansion once in my life, maybe twice, but, but God's mansion? Like, you know, I often tell people when they ask me what heaven is like, I say, think of, think of the, the most amazing adventure, description, image, art piece, canvas painting, whatever it is that, that you could just imagine. Just, just think about that. And now that you've got it in your heads, understand that doesn't even come close to the reality of what it's going to be like with God. And so if that is what we have to look forward to, then that means that this life in comparison is like a, 
a dim-lit hotel room with a, a bed and maybe a TV on the wall. And what you and I are doing is we're just trying to make that hotel room as flashy as possible. Oh, man, I got to put all this stuff on the walls. I got to get all these amenities and everything. Tell me, if you have a mansion that you and I can't even dream of to look forward to, does it make any sense to spend all of our time trying to spruce up a temporary stay? No. It kind of changes perspective a little bit, doesn't it? Sometimes I, I, I sometimes wonder if, if when we die, like there's, there isn't a part of us that just kind of thinks that based on the way we functionally act in this life, like, hold on, God, wait, I never got to go to Rome. God, I never got to go to the Bahamas. God, I never got to do this with, oh, stop. <laughs> oh, stop. Don't even think that. Fear of missing out. Are you kidding me? Like, when you have that to look forward to because of the resurrection, you're not going to be missing out on a thing. So calm down and understand this life is temporary. What you have to look forward to, this life is this long, right? Eternity, it just goes on. And that kind of brings us uh, to that, that last one, past, present, and future. I'm going to be 35 on, later on this week. And that means I'm still relatively young. And uh, in comparison with some of you, you have a few more years and wisdom on me. But what that means is also, as much as I've sometimes contemplated death, there are some of you who've probably contemplated it way more than I have. And when it comes to death, because of the resurrection, you and I do not have to fear it at all. There was a pastor named Donald Barnhouse. His wife suddenly died, and he had a, a few young children that he found himself driving to his wife's, their mom's, funeral. And he was on the way, trying to find some way to talk to his kids about their mom's death. And as he's driving, he passes this semi and as he passes the semi, he looks over at his daughter and says, you see that semi over there? Would you want to be hit by the semi, or would you want to be hit by the shadow of that semi? And of course, the daughter says, well, I'd rather be hit by the shadow, because the shadow's not going to do anything to me. And he says, that's exactly the way it is with your mom. Jesus went into the clutches of death and hit the truck of death head on into its teeth so that your mom would only have to go through the shadow of death. He came out the other side victorious so that you and I, when that day comes, we can spit in death's face. We can taunt death like Paul does at the end of this chapter. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? You're going to come for me? Okay. Do your worst. Because your worst is going to give me my best. Because my best life is not here. My best life is there. 
That's what the resurrection means. So why do we have such a massive celebration today? Why do we invite family and friends, and why do we put on our best pastel colors for, for church, and why do we have a jungle, you know, out here in the altar area, and why do we have the songs and the brass, and why do we have a breakfast that's over there that some of you are saying, when's he going to say amen, because I'm getting kind of hungry, like, why, why do we do all of that? Because Easter happened. Because it's not a what if. Jesus rose. And because he rose, you too will rise. So I don't know whatever your plans are for today, but celebrate. Pull out all the stops. Have fun. Celebrate. Change your perspective. Just enjoy what this day means, but not just for today, but tomorrow when you wake up, and the next day when you wake up, and the next Sunday, and the next week, and the next month. Do not forget what this day means and how it fundamentally changes everything for your and my life because Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. Amen.